Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is supported this week by the Texas Route 66 Festival, which is underway now and continues through this weekend. It culminates in Amarillo National Bank's Route 66 Celebration, a festival finale event this Saturday, June 10th, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. in Amarillo's historic Route 66 district, all along 6th Street, all the way to San Jacinto Park. You can expect vendors, live music, Elvis impersonators, a Miss Texas Route 66 pinup pageant, kids' activities, a car show, a bike show, a lot more. Admission is free. For more details, head to visitamarillo.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Nail Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Amarillo National Bank online at anb.com and to Amarillo College online at actx.edu. Read the latest issue of Brick and Elm, the one with the bird on the cover, at brickandelm.com or pick one up in local stores. Today's guest is Amelia Balderrama, the president and CEO of iDocket. iDocket is a technology company based in Amarillo, which offers software solutions and case management systems for local governments, including public services at the county level, including court case information, all those kinds of things. Across Texas, district clerks, district attorneys, sheriff's departments, judges, and others use iDocket to automate their work. Amelia's father, Armando Balderrama, started the company 23 years ago, and Amelia eventually found herself running the business. She bought the company in 2019, and right now, iDocket is poised to expand beyond Texas courts and institutions. In fact, it was one of the Amarillo Enterprise Challenge winners this year from the WT Enterprise Center. So I wanted to hear her story, to hear what it's like to run a tech company based here in Amarillo, and how she thinks about the future. Here's Amelia Balderrama. Amelia Balderrama, welcome to the Hamarillo Podcast. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Well, good. I'm honored to have you. I want to start with you the same way I start with all of my guests, and that's to ask how you ended up in Amarillo or the area in the first place. So what brought you here? Well, I'm born and raised in Amarillo, and so I have lived here um, up until 2013, and then we moved to Hereford. I actually work in Amarillo every day. So Okay, you still live in Hereford then. Mm-hmm. What's that commute like every day? Um, it's nice because it's a lot of downtime mm-hmm. uh, before you have to get home and, and get you know life started with kids and bedtime and all that. So it's nice to have the morning drive and then the evening drive to just kind of get focused on what I need to do. It's funny to think about that because I think, oh, man, a drive from Hereford every day, you know, that's 45 minutes or so. But like people in Dallas do that for an hour plus. It's no big deal. So (laughs) it seems really strange here. Yeah, but I get to see the sunset, sunrise. So that's something that's really nice. But yeah, it's better than Dallas traffic. Tell me about that decision to to move there and to live there while working here in Amarillo. So my husband, um, he works in law enforcement. And so he's actually the chief deputy at the Death Smith County Sheriff's Office. And so we moved out there um, because of his job and and I'm mostly virtual and travel quite a bit, and so it didn't really matter where I lived. And then um, we have an office on 6th Street that I come to and work daily and get my work done. So You had a little more flexibility, though, I guess, yes. if, if you don't want to make the drive. Right. <laughs> 
tell me about uh, your your family. Do you have any idea like how they ended up in this area? What brought your parents or grandparents or anybody to? Well, my grandparents, uh, my grandmother was from Happy, Texas, and then my grandfather was from Bovina. And so they were kind of born and raised in the Panhandle and moved to Amarillo. And that's where my mom was from. And then uh, she met my dad from New Mexico, and he moved here and raised their family. Okay. So just the entire family's been here for a few generations. Yes. <laughs> Where did you go to school? Amarillo High. Okay. When you graduated, did did you have an idea of what you wanted to do next? I mean, was there a plan? So my dad started IDOCA in 2000, mm-hmm. so I was about 14 years old at that time. And so um, I always knew that I liked working with him, collaborating with him. And so it was just natural that I would go to college. And I went to Amarillo College. Then I moved off for a couple of years and went to Tarleton State. And then I moved back and finished out at WT my junior and senior year. And I did equine business. And so um, that allowed me to be able to explore my passion for horses and in the ag industry um, and realize that that. I probably like business a little bit more. And okay. so um, my dad uh, offered me to come work with him. And I've been working with him since 2010 full time. And then I bought the company from him in 2019. Okay. Was was there ever a period where you thought you might go in a different direction? Or was it always kind of assumed you'll end up working um, for your dad's company, whether right. you thought about owning it outright or not? But um, No, I've, I thought that I wanted to run a ranch or, okay. you know, be in the horse industry. But then it's a lot of work and I respect everybody that does that. And it just was something that with technology, um, I wanted to be part of the technology group. And so he had already had a full functioning business that, um, brought technology to local government and I was still able to travel and see, um, local people in different communities. And so that's why I just decided to go stay with iDocket. Okay. Did you ever have the desire to just leave here and forge your own path. <laughs> you know, when you were thinking you might end up in, you know, ranch management or, or something like that, did you think I'm, I'm going to get out of the panhandle? Um, I actually love the panhandle. Okay. I'm a homebody uh, by nature. My whole entire, my siblings do not live here. Um, so we think that's really funny that they flew the coop, but I'm one that I like. Um, I like to know where everything is mm-hmm. and just the community and stuff. So I truly enjoy living in the panhandle just because it's my home. I want to talk about, you know, you, you mentioned your dad and him having already started the business, you know, when you were in high school. What do you remember about that process since you ended up, you know, working with the business and, and deep within it? But like, do you remember that as a kid? Was, was that on your radar? Oh, dad's starting a company or he's doing this, this entrepreneurial thing? Yes. So we helped him quite a bit, drive, like driving from county to county, talking to different customers, looking at their need. And so iDocket was started because a local clerk from Potter County, District Clerk Cindy Groomer, she wanted to put her judicial records online. And my dad already owned a technology company that provided services. And so um, he actually put her records online. And the more he went to local government offices and realized they don't have any case management systems Mm -hmm. or any kind of technology in use, um, that's where iDocket was born. And we really got into building application software for them. What year was that that he first? Two thousand. Two thousand. To me, that seems a little. I mean, that's that's early in the days of the internet, but it feels late in terms of just getting that kind of stuff online. Was was Texas a little bit slow, or was that the reality everywhere? It was the reality everywhere, and so um, I think that's where you you see kind of a generational change in in just the way government works. Is that um, in 
2000, the internet was still new. There's mm -hmm. a lot of security concerns. People didn't want information online, things like that. And so the more technology has evolved, um, it really has helped our business because we're able to actually Im see improvements in the judicial process, um, more accurate information and things like that. So it's nice to see counties utilizing the technology. Okay. Give me an idea, or at least for listeners who who don't know the world of the courts and don't you know know um, your business and the technology side, but like, give me an idea of the breadth of iDocket. Like, who's who's using the software? What what are they able to do with it? So iDockets um, provides local government management software. And so And that means local like county and county city, city as opposed to anything right. above no, that, I guess. Not like state agencies okay. or DPS or things of that. So like a sheriff's office, a clerk's office, a JP's office, okay. things like that. And so um, our technology is used to help improve the justice system uh, and because we have workflows that allows them to actually have alerts in the software to say, hey, this case has been sitting for so many days, it needs to go to court or have a hearing. And then also we have risk assessment tools so that you're able to actually see the history of an offender. And so um, whenever you have that view and you you are in a data silo, it allows them to really make accurate decisions because we're such a transient society that, mm -hmm. especially in the panhandle, we're all in Amarillo, but you're in Death Smith or Oldham or right. other counties. But if you're not those software systems aren't talking, then you get the data silos and you can't see the full picture of an offender. And so that's what our platforms do with a case management system. How many clients, I guess, do you have who are using that software? We have about 156 offices in Texas okay. utilizing our products. So, And is it all over Texas? Mm -hmm. Are you looking to expand beyond Texas, or is that sort of siloed state by state where the courts are working? So um, we, we do want to go national, but a little background is that in Texas, every county does everything a little bit differently. But in 2019, Governor Abbott released an initiative to for school safety and to prevent mass violence and came up with a uniform case management system. Mm -hmm. And the objective is to have a more uniform, streamlined way. And they put out an RFO, which is a request for offer uh, for a case management system. And three vendors were selected and iDocket was one of them. And okay. so the state gave us like 300 requirements and said, you, your application software has to do all of these features. Okay, that's a lot of requirements. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> and then um, with those features, you have to provide customer support. And so we really focus on the user experience, which differentiates us from our competitors. Okay. And so by having a more uniform case management system, it allows counties to be cross-jurisdictional and more standard processes. And so Texas is kind of leading the nation. Um, this same initiative was in Nevada. Uh, and then just different states are going to be adopting it probably over the next couple okay. of years. And, and if they do adopt it, does that mean they come to you? And Well, it's competitively bid. So, right, so there's other vendors out there that could be awarded and things like that. Are you hopeful, though, that there's that that market exists and, and you're sort of proving the software here in Texas and that once they see, okay, this is this is how it has worked, then then other most places. definitely. Okay, mm -hmm. does that make you? And I'm I'm thinking about it as you know, as a business owner looking at having to scale, you know, not just serving Texas, but potentially serving Texas plus Nevada or something like that. And how do you think about you know leveling up to provide the customer service, to provide the programming support, like all of that stuff, 
and the opportunity to grow, you know, so exponentially. So right. It's like doubling, you know, or right. Well, or we've grown what you four do. times our size since we were awarded this contract, and okay. so one of already the, you've yeah, made those leaps. I think retrospectively learned that you have to have a good management methodology adopted by the whole entire company that's embedded in your culture. And so with iDocket, we use um, objectives and key results, the OKR methodology, and really focus on it aligning with the customer experience. So um, throughout all of our departments, the whole theme is what's the customer experience. So for our cloud team, just monitoring uh, for security and stability or our customer support team, making sure that they're tickets are resolved Mm -hmm. quickly and that they're able to have um, information at their fingertips. So we really have been able to, when we are able to focus on one thing, it lets us stay more on track on the road and just let us grow as quickly as we can. But it's been, it's been a good journey for us. Tell me what it means for the company to be based in Amarillo. Because I think a lot of people would see you know, you having, um, you know, customers all over the state or potentially having customers, you know, across the United States and think Amarillo is not a tech hub. You know, why are you not working in Austin or why are you not in the Metroplex area? Because not that you can't, but like that's where a lot of the talent is. That's where a lot of the programmers are. What does it mean for you to, to be based in Amarillo? It means a lot for us because our first customer was in Amarillo. And so we're really close with the local government officials in the panhandle. Mm -hmm. And our customers are the ones that have really helped us design our platform. And so it really does mean a lot to stay local. And so we do hire virtually throughout the nation. And so we have a lot of virtual employees. But uh, that's something that we're working with is like the Innovation Outpost to partner um, and have a program with the people that come and are looking to be in the technology industry um, so that they can actually have real world experience with coding and quality assurance and things like that. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that because I I know the partnerships with Innovation Outpost are very important. I know, you know, the Enterprise Challenge stuff was very important with the WT Enterprise Center. So tell me like about that, that sort of ecosystem, you know, as a, a growing business, to be able to partner with organizations and opportunities like that? Um, it's really key to our success. So IDOCIT has always followed the National Center for State Courts. And one of the things that they have right now is an initiative to harness technology um, for mental health. And it really highlights the forward thinking initiative using technology to bridge the gap between mental health support and the judicial process. And so we were already following those initiatives nationally. But whenever um, we got involved with Innovation Outposts Mm -hmm. and the Small Business Development Center and WT Enterprise, also the um, Emerald Economic Development Center, they put us in contact with our state representative for Price. And they were able to really help us with um, just bills, legislative bills to follow and make sure that what happens in the panhandle is known in Austin. And so that way, whenever you see juveniles going through the school system and they have they're hitting the judicial system, how does how do those silos interact with each okay. other? And so that's really allowed us by partnering with um, those different agencies to talk to different users like Region 16 that we can get good use cases for our, our platform to help improve the technology that they use. And to me, that that's also another one of the things that, that makes it a little bit different to operate in Amarillo because the ease of those partnerships, mm-hmm. 
you know, if, if you want to get in touch with Fort Price, like you can do that. Easily, if, yes. If you want to talk to, you know, Innovation Outposts, and I mean, they might develop a curriculum that, that for just us, meets yes. for, you know, the, mm-hmm. the needs that you have. And so having that ease and connection uh, is, is something that's pretty significant given the size of Amarillo. It's it's not too big for that right, to happen. Right, I agree with that. I think just the the connection that the community has with each other, everybody is one community, and so we all are able to work together for the main goal of just bringing technology to the judicial process to make sure that um, we're able to streamline things to help mental health and and um, offenders and, and be able to track those types of things. Tell me a little bit more. I, I know this is a podcast for you, but tell me a little bit more about your dad, because I'm interested always in people who were, you know, present when technology was being developed, you know, like in the 90s and the Internet and and knew enough to take that step to say, OK, I'm going to do this thing. Right. Had he always been an entrepreneur So he worked for IBM for about 15 years, and he was in their marketing and sales team and was very successful and kind of hit the top there. And so he he had exposure, I guess, then. Right. He got exposure to technology there. And so whenever he he hit the top, he's like, okay, what's next? And so that's when he started his own business. And he's always been one to be at the forefront of things. So um, if you, you say, oh, that can't be done, that that's like a challenge. Okay. It can be done. And so um, he's always had that entrepreneur um, in drive to just really push people to utilize technology and step out of their comfort zone and realize the possibilities that um, technology can bring to the to whatever aspect of your life that you have. Okay. I'm, I'm always interested in generational businesses, especially when you have you know, the, the parents' generation passing it over to a younger generation because it's complicated, even if you have a great relationship, right. you know, with your parents, um, because you're going to have a little bit different viewpoint, a little bit different energy and outlook. It's something that your dad created. So it's his baby and he's handing this baby over to you, you know, to take care of it. Right, right. How, how did you navigate that? Like, was was that ever something that you thought, okay, this could be pretty tricky mixing business and family and all that kind of stuff. Oh, of course. It's always tricky. But I think that's something that my dad and I have a really great relationship. And at times he even laughs and says, the parent-child relationship is reversed. Like, you take more care of me okay. and manage me. And so um, I think it's, I mean, I have older siblings, of course, and they, they just didn't want part of the business. And so um, whenever, I've always had a sense for business and just the way things operate. And so my dad's a big dreamer. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever, you know, he had someone that could come in and run the business and do all the administrative fun things, he he really saw, oh, wow, she can actually run this business. And I I trust her to take it over. So tell me about the decision to purchase it outright from your dad, as opposed to you're the CEO, but he remains, you know, the founder, owner, remains involved, you know, to some degree, like, like why go that route? I think it was just for the security of, um, just knowing, Hey, Amelia is going to have the business because if having that ownership, yeah, having that ownership, like this is going to be Amelia's business. It was kind of drew the line of, you know, I grew it to how he wanted to until 2019. And then in 2019, I changed a couple of things, um, just the way we do business. And so that's something that we were able to kind of know like, okay, that's not how I would do it. But since it's your company now, and you want to go in this direction. Mm -hmm. And so it would just really allowed us to have that clear direction of 
He wanted to retire. He didn't want to be in the day-to-day business of things. And and I was in it every day. And so it was just easier for me to buy it from him and have him as my mentor. Okay. As a technology business, how do you think about the way that technology changes and how that might impact the, the products you develop or the way that you serve your customers? You know, there are always going to be new platforms or new cloud hosting companies or um, new products that you need to develop that meet a need that maybe you don't even know exists yet. So how do you think about, okay, we can't just do this thing that we're doing now for the next 30 years without changing. There's always going to be transformation happening. Well, we really monitor what's going on in the tech industry. Um, And I think one of the biggest things is a significant concern for IDOC is just the cost of technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the last three or four years, especially with COVID hitting, inflation with the tech industry has skyrocketed. Resources are, human resources are very expensive. Um, and then too, there's there's basically a platform for whatever you, you need to do. And so it is a costly thing right now. And so that's something that um, iDocket is really concerned about is how will our customers, current customers, be able to pay for moving to our cloud products. And okay. so um, that's probably how the biggest concern. But when we built our first case management system in 2000, we kind of did it like the iPhone where you just get updates. And so you didn't have to buy a new platform every five years. And so when we made this big um, change to the cloud, we modernized our technology stack and refactored it so that it can have more third-party integrations. So that way, iDocket, we know judicial. Um, and so if someone wants to come in with financial, we can actually now have a third party integration with a financial mm-hmm. or like a probation, things like that. And so by allowing iDocket to just focus on what we call one vertical of judicial information, that's where we're able to really stay aligned with what we want to provide our customers in the direction we're going. Okay. That kind of management system has applications, you know, everywhere, not just in the judicial world, not just in city government world or sheriff's offices and stuff. Have you ever thought, okay, we're a technology company. We don't have to be tied to the judicial system, even though we're called iDocket. You know, you can right. just change the name. But, <laughs> but have you ever thought, well, could could we take what we're doing here? And is there another direction we could apply that? Yes, there's there's another vertical that we really want to get into, which is the school and medical okay. uh, industries, just because we believe by um, connecting the school and medical and judicial all together that you'll have a more full picture of what's actually going on with an individual. And so that's something that we, we are really looking at exploring into school alerts and, um, but there's a lot of privacy laws that we have to navigate. And so um, that's an initiative that IDOC has been working on and and eventually we'll get there, but the school and medical fields is really something that we want to get into of just connecting them. And so you have the full picture of everything. I'd like to talk a little bit more about Innovation Outpost and that relationship with iDocket. Uh, Todd McLeese has been on the podcast before. Um, we've talked about uh, with a couple of guests about what the, you, the, the kinds of technology training that can happen there. And I, I wonder if you can just speak about the benefit for you in having that as a resource to train kids who live here in Amarillo, who, who live in the Panhandle, um, where they can get like mentorship and hear from experts who, you know, aren't just confined to to the knowledge base here. And how, how important is that to what you do? 
It's so important because a lot of the times um, kids will go to a four-year college and then come out with a computer science degree, but they haven't learned cloud architecture. Yeah. Or it's they, outdated as yeah. soon as they graduate, right? <laughs> they haven't learned exactly what we're needing. And so by having Innovation Outpost, um, we were able to talk to them about certain curriculum that we would need. And so um, we're not current partners today, but that's something that we're definitely going to be exploring um, and working with Todd McLeese to get that up and running. Um, and that's something as well, like just having good use cases for it, because it's an initiative by the National Center for State Courts. And once you get in the judicial process, you really understand, oh, that's why someone was incarcerated mm -hmm. so long, because the paper sits it's not in some kind of automated workflow. Okay. Um, and so it's real life use cases. And so it really benefits those kids because it's kind of like a trade school. It's, I think the courses are eight to 12 weeks long. Right, right. And so they can come in and, and be passionate about learning the cloud, um, hear real world applications and be certified and have technical skills, which helps us as a business because now they actually have real world scenarios that they're able to. And that's something about being in the panhandle, just the cost of resources too, by able being able to grow people in the technology industry allows us to make, you know, we're able to hire them as a newer, a newbie, mm -hmm. and then grow them in our company. And that helps quite a bit than hiring somebody from Dallas that really doesn't know a lot about iDocket, but has a lot of um, experience. And so I think it's a good resource for any technology company to hire people from Innovation Outposts because they grow them from the ground up for okay. you. Okay. You know, the the economy in Amarillo is is one that has always been tied to agriculture, tied to petroleum, healthcare even. But we are starting to see a lot more growth in technology companies. And I wonder, like, as a, a tech company that's been around for a long time, here in Amarillo, how do you think about that? Do you think we're starting to kind of catch up? You know, Amazon's here now, and AEDC is working with some um, some different opportunities. But like, do, do you feel like Amarillo is not becoming a tech hub, but maybe showing up? I think it up? could. It you has think the so? potential. It definitely has the potential. Just because like innovation outpost is such a big thing, and especially with the help of the Small Business Development Center, and then the WT Enterprises is in the economic center, that's something that they're really pushing for that is that when you kind of look at Amarillo is we want people to stay here. We want our, we want to raise our kids here in the future. And so um, my kids are city kids. And so they probably would have no desire to go into ag or petroleum. And mm -hmm. They probably want to go into technology because that's something that I'm in. And so um, I think when we start looking at how can we keep our youth here it's by bringing another industry in, such as the tech industry, because that's something that's probably the fastest growing, in my opinion. The last question I wanted to ask you is just about operating a business here in Amarillo. You know, it's not a business that's focused entirely on the city, even though it started, you know, with with clients here. But just, you know, being a part of this business community and, and being in a place that values entrepreneurship and that values helping businesses grow, like what has that meant to the success of your company? Well, like you said, the easy access to professional resources. And so like I can call up um, Amy Henderson at Amarillo National Bank and ask her questions. She's on the Women's Governor Commission. I can call Gina Woodward at the SBDC. I have her cell phone. I can text yeah. her. So it's just that easy access to these great 
leaders in the community that are just invested in technology and government solutions as iDocket is, is that it's really been good for iDocket to have just that close-knit community of people that really care about what we're doing and, and are just as passionate about it. The last question I want to ask, just because I've got you here for this, is tell me about living in Hereford but working in Amarillo. Like, what what are the differences between the two communities, because we share a lot of people, sure. we share a lot of interest, we share the same probably mindset and culture, right. but like Hereford is a smaller town. What are some of the ways that, that we're the same? What are some of the ways that we're different? I would say that some of the same um, in Amarillo versus Hereford is that just the community. Um, we're all invested in raising our kids, going to sports, going to um, after school performances, things like that, that we're all invested in raising our kids. And mm-hmm. so I see that both in Amarillo, I have a good close knit friend group with children here and in Hereford. Um, and, and just being passionate about football. I know it's yeah. it's a Texas thing, but um, there's nothing better than Friday Night Lights in, in Amarillo at Dick Bivens or in Hereford at the Whiteface Stadium. So it's just something that we truly enjoy raising our kids. Um, they're, they're younger, and so they really get to see really the part of the community just coming out and supporting and having a good time. And then what's different between Amarillo and Hereford is probably in Amarillo, of course, there's something to do. Uh, you can, <laughs> you can go out to eat or go shopping or things like that. But, um, Living in Hereford has been nice because we are more cooking dinner and playing card games and going outside on walks and biking and things like that. So it's really nice to just go to Hereford and relax because there's not um, a lot of things to do every night. But in Amarillo, when we lived here, it seemed like every night we were going to go eat at a restaurant or running somewhere. But uh, it's probably the biggest difference is just the amount of things to do. This episode is supported by StoryBridge, an early childhood literacy program. In Potter and Randall counties, less than half of the children entering kindergarten are ready to learn to read. And this kind of educational deficit, even at age five, will negatively affect a child's performance all the way until they graduate in grade 12. So two years ago, StoryBridge launched the Dolly Parton Imagination Library program to address the problem. Thanks to generous local donors, more than 6,000 local children under the age of five are now registered and receive a new age-appropriate book in the mail every month, and it comes at no cost to their families. Well, StoryBridge wants to expand this program to reach more than 10,000 area children, and you can help with that. So to give or to get involved, visit storybridgeama.org to learn more. That's storybridgeama.org. Okay, I'm back with Amelia Balderrama. Amelia, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon. Uh, It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes the fossilized skull of a crocodile-like phytosaur, which was discovered in Potter County. These creatures grew up to 30 feet long, and phytosaur teeth are some of the most abundant fossils in this area. So with all the rain that we've had, we we can think at least see a little more clearly that this area used to be kind of swampy and had crocodile-like creatures here, which is always funny to think (laughs) about. You can learn more and you can see uh, some of those fossils at panhandleplains.org. Okay, first question, when you think of Amarillo 10 years from now, what do you hope for? I really hope to see a flourishing tech industry. 
Amarillo has the potential for hub startups, uh, especially in the tech field, and just building on the success of iDocket and other local innovators, we really do have the potential to grow the tech industry here. And sometimes that's all it takes is a couple of success stories, and that attracts other entrepreneurs who have an idea that you you kind of build that sort of ecosystem that feeds into itself, right? Mm-hmm. It, it really does. Okay. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? <laughs> well, other than wind, this area probably has an abundance of open space. Um, it can seem kind of daunting at times to see forever and ever, but I think it's also an asset because it allows for room for growth and development that if a company wanted to come here, there's plenty of land um, that they are able to come and, and build a complete office or a complete hub um, in the panhandle. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've heard the AEDC talk about is that if you need to build a giant warehouse, like they have that it. can happen. Yes. You know, we've got the space. We've, sometimes we've got warehouses that are just waiting to be renovated. Right. Uh, that's not always available in other places, it's especially um, you know close enough to the workforce to make that and happen. And it's affordable. Yeah, it's affordable too. <laughs> okay, what does this area not have enough of? I think as far as the area doesn't have enough of, I just think just more of a diverse culture and recreational opportunities. It definitely, Amarillo has the charm, but being able to introduce art galleries or more music venues um, and then just to diverse dining options uh, would just really, I think, enrich our community and be able to um, embrace everybody that lives in the Amarillo area. Okay. What's the most underrated thing about living in Amarillo? I really think the most underrated uh, thing about living in Amarillo is just the sense of community. Amarillo, the people are great here. They're really supportive and friendly, and it's it's really like living in a big family. I know I can call any one of my friends and be like, hey, can you grab my kids from daycare? And yeah. I could trust them uh, to take care of them if I get stuck at work. And so I really enjoy just having a community that you can trust and not worry about. Okay. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Well, um, it's not local. Dutch Brothers. <laughs> so you've, you've I brought got Dutch a, Brothers a Dutch today. Bros cup right there. <laughs> um, but I, I know they started, I think, in the Arizona area, and mm-hmm. we used to go to Phoenix all the time and go to Dutch Brothers, and now we go. And uh, I just love how friendly they are. And then, too, like the kids, they have a good menu for kids. So um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm Dutch no, girl. <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting, though, to see how they've grown in Amarillo because the first one came in maybe just – couple of years ago like not that long ago no, and now yeah. there are seven or eight yeah they're everywhere. Uh, and i'm just like wow they, i mean they're coming in like starbucks did yes, you know 15 yes. or 20 years ago uh, so it's interesting to see them uh you know make their footprint on a, a market that they hadn't been in before yes what's your favorite local restaurant or food truck all right. I had to think about this because I'm a big foodie, so I have tons of favorite restaurants and, and food trucks. But I think my most favorite is Elote Con Ritmo on Amarillo Boulevard. Okay. They have the best uh, elote and fresh fruit, and it's just delicious. So that's my go-to spot. <laughs> okay. That's that's a good choice. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about that one. What's your favorite local park? My favorite local park is Wildcat Bluff. Um, The park has beautiful views, and then also they have great hiking trails. Once a month they have hiking, a guided hike, and we always take the kids, and um, they just really love being out there and out in the open. And it's relatively flat, so it's Mm -hmm. easy to hike, so we like to go there quite a bit. Okay, and when was the last time you visited the Big Texan? I go all the time. Do you really? (laughs) Yes. We love the Big Texan. That's, that's funny. That's good to hear then. <laughs> we always enjoy the steak challenge. It's um, thrilling to watch, but also 
uh, my kids love the cowboy hats that they get with the meal. And okay. so um, if they do good at anything, I'm like, let's go to the Big Texan and they just eat it up. So okay. it's all about the experience. Yeah. Well, that's that's good to know that there's there's still some locals who are I know passionate so, about some, it. Some aren't. And I'm like, oh, no, I love the Big Texan. Yeah. Okay. So good. I'm glad I chose that question for you. Then. Okay, Amelia, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like local listeners to know about or to experience? Well, I really have um, several business partners to endorse. And so Mike Rokey from Amarillo Recruiting Associates, he has been instrumental in IDOCA's success of recruiting people. Um, He's a great asset to our company. And then um, next is Carlos Lopez at Action Coach. Mm-hmm. I met him, and he has been just transformative in our business of coaching me as an entrepreneur of management and just leading the company. And so I never knew that resource was out there. And so I highly encourage businesses struggling with day-to-day decisions or issues with employees. There, he's a great coach to kind of walk you through those scenarios and how to role play and get through those situations. And then um, I mentioned earlier um, Amy Henderson from Amarillo National Bank. She has been uh, really successful for iDocket. She's invited us to um, a legislative luncheon with the governor's wife. Uh, we're going to be doing the governor's summit. And then um, also, obviously, Todd McLeese at Innovation yeah. Outpost. And then Gina Woodward at SBDC, Brian and Michelle at WT, and just the entire staff at the Amarillo Economic Development Center. They all of those people do an excellent job of supporting various businesses um, in the community and just providing the mentorship, advice, and funding for local businesses. And so their efforts really make Amarillo a better place every day. Yeah, it's if, if you are starting a business or if you are running a business, like you're not doing it alone. No, um, you, it as takes a CEO, a village. <laughs> like you can feel pretty isolated, but like. Even here, like there are people who know what you're doing and can want to help you you do it better. Yes. Okay. Amelia Balderrama, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. And that concludes the episode. Thanks again to Amelia for the interview. You can learn more about iDocket at iDocket.com. I also want to thank the Texas Route 66 Festival for sponsoring the show. Don't miss those events this weekend along with the locally owned Story Bridge and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum, who are sponsors of this episode. And thanks to Angelina Marie for editing the show. Thank you for listening. Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Cindy Graham, and Barbara and Jim Whitten. This has been episode 303. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.